Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking, Mike? We are smoking a CAO Consigliere. Fancy. Very fancy. And it is uh, a large Robusto, I would say, which is, you know, pretty typical size for our show. And uh, Mike's been wanting to smoke this one for quite some time. We've had a couple instances where we thought we were going to be recording an episode, and it's always been this one that he has talked about. So I think he's been fairly excited. Um, But before Mike asks, I am uh, pairing this cigar with a Hop Valley Stashadelica IPA. Nice. I'm pairing mine with Four Roses Small Batch in a glass uh, with nothing in it, just whiskey, and then uh, I'm going to have a whiskey sour as a backer. This is quite spicy. Well, it should be spicy. It's supposed to be like a mobster cigar, right? I mean, I guess. That's the idea. All right, let me light up here. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is quite, quite spicy. <laughs> I, I like it. I was not prepared <laughs> at all uh, for the amount of spice coming from it, but uh, it's very tasty. It's very good. Very spicy. Yeah. Very I spicy. I think this is the spiciest one I've ever had. Well, that Hoya that we had was spicy. Uh, this is spicy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, at the start, this is spicier. This is almost like breathtaking. Yeah. Well, the uh, didn't the Hoya, it kind of increased in spice as it went along. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as a afterthought, I really like that cigar, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was if, great. If this one, if this one keeps increasing, this might be our last episode ever because we'll be dead. <laughs> My goodness. My goodness. Just so everybody knows, if you hear some noises like that, I'm mixing a drink. <laughs> so Yes. I thought we'd talk about consent, Mike. Consent. Okay. Yes. Well, and I know what you're thinking. Well, I don't know, but I, I might know what some people might be thinking is, you know, it's the sexy time all the time. Here we go. But there's a new trend, uh, especially within parenting, where, I mean, so one, when your when your children's like grandparents or aunts and uncles and stuff come and visit, they always want hugs. And some of them, sometimes grandmas or grandmas are like, give me a kiss and do this and that. You know, we've made clear to our kids that they're not expected to or required to do those things to family or friends or anybody, really. Uh, but we have this other uh, uh, friends that have family or have, have kids, and their kids always ask our kids if they if they can hug them. Sure. And stuff. So I guess that's kind of what spawned this is just me thinking about it and like asking consent before you hug somebody, asking consent before uh, maybe you, you like touch somebody's shoulder. Is that taking away from some of the spontaneous like first kiss experiences or first hug experiences? Or is it not? Is it really more giving those things more weight and more value? Uh, but I thought we'd go through some of the consent stuff just so that we know. I did quite a bit of research on this, not as much as the circumcision, uh, but the circumcision one started out longer and got a little shorter. And this one was always the same length. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I will have something to say about this because I just completed a course called Safe Sport. Okay. This wasn't around when we were kids, but if you are involved in any activity that has an organized uh, activity and it has children involved, you have to become Safe Sport certified and do a background check uh, nowadays, Uh, which is probably a good idea, you know. They should do that for Catholic priests. Uh, right. Yeah, I was gonna say Boy Scout leaders. Uh. <laughs> hey, you leave you leave Scoutmaster John out of this. Oh my! You know, my Scoutmaster was uh, 
one of the kids' dad. You know, they were all the people yeah. there were like the parents. I mean, that's typically so. how it goes. That doesn't mean they're, you know, free from being abusers, though. No, no, most, that's very, very are true. Abused by people they know. That is very true. So. Uh, real quick cigar note before we uh, dive uh, head, head first into consent, with your consent, of course, Mike. I've got a little bit of a loose leaf on the end of the wrapper here on the cigar. Really? So Mine is. Uh, did, well, how did you cut it? I just did a, I did one V cut and uh, it's a little bit of a loose, the, the leaf on the end where I, I smoke from is raised up a little bit, but oh. it's not, it's not drastic. It's just, we talk about some of these things sometimes. I don't think it's a big deal. Oh, sure. Mine's perfectly good so far. I can see that maybe the cap will come off though. Okay. We're going to see. Now we'll that see. you say it, I'm looking and it's like, <laughs> eh, there's maybe yeah. uh, the taste is still good. The taste is good. I know we've we're only a few puffs in, or, you know, but uh, the spice has has drastically diminished. Yes, still very spicy. Still though. very good though, and still spicy. But I just will say it's no longer overpowering. Yes. All right. So with this consent, I kind of broke it down as we do on these episodes because we have to find some way to talk about things that make sense. We can't just word vomit uh, to you. I use a variety of sources, uh, not as many as the circumcision episode. But a handful or more. So I just, I figured we'd start with uh, types of consent. And I found kind of sort of basically the four main kinds of consent. Types of consent. Uh, And now this is not necessarily related strictly to sex stuff. Okay. This is just consent in general. Right. We're we're going to kind of um, work our way through some of these things. Some of them will be with, with sex. Some of them will be with like the uh, medical care. Some of them will be everyday stuff. Some will be. It's kind of all over the board because consent is it is or should be everywhere, right? Well, in an ideal world, yes. Unfortunately, because of uh, certain fascist influences, a lot of times you're giving consent before you even enter the situation. So you yeah. don't really have a choice in most situations. You've already given consent by being there. Well, and we're, and we're going to talk about how to revoke consent as well. Oh, oh, is this like sovereign citizen land? And how to respond to revoked consent. And the answer to all of those things is send Mike or I $5 in the mail. We'll send you a special consent stamp. Yes. And it has to be signed uh, by you with your uh, name in all capital letters. Yes, but your zip code has to be in brackets. Very important. I can't tell important. you how not important carrots, that is. Not carrots. Not nope. carrots. Brackets. Nope. And not the wavy ones either. No. Or parentheses. We, we no, have to no. be very careful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and, and quotations, those are right out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the four the four types of consent, I'm gonna I'm gonna list them out, and then I'll go back through. And, and kind of explain what each one is. So we've got implied consent. We've got express consent. We have informed consent and unanimous consent. How many of these have you heard of, Mike? I've heard those terms thrown around, all of them, I think. Okay. Yeah, they, they're usually bandied about in, in the latest Disney Pixar movie. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, actually, their latest one, what was it, Elemental? Very good. I quite like it. You did like it. Sarah watched it, but I did not. Okay. I watched a little bit of it, a little bit of it. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but then I watched it again, and I liked it a lot more, so it kind of grew on me. I'm going to start with implied consent. It is implicit, not explicit, consent, and it's uh, presented by an individual's actions or the situation. So, for example, physical contact in a hockey game. You don't ask somebody if it's okay to check them into the boards before you check them into the boards. Right, the act of being there and playing and being a participant in that game 
gives implied consent to be hit. Football, right? Right. Baseball. You don't go to the bar and get upset because other people are drinking alcohol. Yeah. Yep. Uh, bowling might be a little different because there's not really any touching in bowling. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I figured if I mention bowling first, it will save us later. <laughs> <laughs> Usually no physical contact. I yeah. have made physical contact with people before. But that yeah, is well, that's how story. we met. Um, <laughs> you, you kept saying I was across the line and across the line and I didn't see the line. Anyway. Uh, and then also like a person unconscious at a car accident would also be kind of like implied consent if they're injured. So, and, and I know like the Good Samaritan laws have been kind of like under fire uh, of late where, you know, people are claiming that giving CPR is like battery or uh, some of these life-saving things that people are concerned about. Well, if I find somebody that needs CPR, can I or can't I give it to them? We're not lawyers. I don't know. I'm just saying- We are not that- lawyers, <laughs> but I can tell you that in my personal life, when it comes anywhere near- what is my uh, career field, I yes. generally avoid helping people because uh, I do not want the liability associated with that. Yes. Right. I think I told you a, a very um, specific instance last week Yeah. off of, uh, off of the show yes, that yes. Uh, I was like, no way am I stopping and helping yeah. this person right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and really, I think in, in a lot of circumstances, and again, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a medical professional, but in a lot of circumstances, calling 911 is much, much better. Uh, yes. For, for aid, uh, especially because you don't know what, uh, what kind of tools or, or like life-saving devices might be required. You don't know if they're infected with something or whatever. I mean, if you've seen 28 days later, all it takes is one drop of saliva and bam, you're a zombie. So you know what I mean? Exactly. One drop of uh, bath salts and you're a zombie. <laughs> ah, Florida, how we love you. Um, so implied <laughs> consent also is predicated on a person's silence or non-response. That doesn't mean that if you say, hey, I want to like do stuff with you, then, and if they don't say anything, that it's a, it's a clear go. But, you know, the silence or non-response would be if you come across somebody un- unresponsive on a hiking path, there's no cell re- reception or something. And it's it's down to say, well, do I save this person's life or do I not? Or do I attempt to or do I not? And it's kind of implied implied consent. Uh, again, we're not lawyers, so please uh, check your local jurisdictions or whatever your own morality or, or comfort level with liability might be. Uh, right. And one consent. of the biggest things with liability, uh, when's the last time you, take, you uh, took CPR first aid? Nate. Uh, I think I took it probably 2009, 2010-ish. was my okay. last time. So, so I've taken it every two years since probably 04, something like that. Because it's it's a three-year uh, certification, and I've okay. taken it every two years because I've always had a job that required it, and they want you more up-to-date. And the yep. biggest thing is you cannot exceed your level of official training okay. to be covered by the Good Samaritan Law. Like that's okay. the biggest thing. So if you're not trained on like how to put a tourniquet on, don't be putting a tourniquet on. Uh, yeah, more or less. Express consent is what we we mostly think of. Is uh, it's un- unmistakably stated. It's not implied. It's usually given in writing or speech or sometimes non-verbally, as long as it's a clear gesture such as a nod, right, or whatever it is in your culture. Not every culture nodding isn't a necessarily universal thing, but the the caveat or the thing to be aware of is non-written express consent not not witnessed uh, by a person or audio or video could be disputed if the party then later decides that it was not given, which is why in what was it Europe you were saying uh, a lot of men are recording women saying yes that they want to have sex. 
Yeah, the that's a trend. That's a trend. Yeah, I don't know if I can I don't think it's in Europe. I just think it's a trend generally, especially hookup culture, um, which I never was a part of. But that's a pretty scary culture, world. Right? Hookup culture. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the 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 Tinder and the and the grinder and whatever else there is out there. Yeah, the lipstick lesbian dating app or whatever that. Exactly. Is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's express consent. It's it's basically when people say consent, it, I think it's usually what people think of. Like, hey, do you want a hug? Yeah, bro, sure. Like that's express consent. Implied consent would be, hey, bro, do you want a hug? And then the other person goes in for a hug. I mean, that's kind of like implied. Right. So informed consent. That is usually medical. It's used for medical contexts and uh, social scientific research and stuff like that. But it's consent given by a person who has a clear appreciation and understanding of the facts, implications, and future consequences of an action. I did come across a lawsuit in Minnesota here where apparently there's a woman who talked with her doctor, was going to have surgery on their left ear, went under anesthesiology. Uh, once under, the doctor realized that the right ear was in a worse shape than the left ear. I don't know what the condition was. Operated instead on the right ear, not the left ear, and then was charged with battery afterwards. And I believe lost the case because that was completely against the informed consent. I can believe that. I mean, it's shitty that we live in a very litigious society at times. At times. You just have to remember that you have to stop when it's time to stop. And you're, it's not your responsibility to go any further. In fact, it's exactly the opposite of that, right? Yes. Well, in that case, it's do the left ear, like you said, then say, hey, the right ear is way worse. We got to get that next. Like once they're out of, out of surgery and they're not groggy from the drugs anymore and all that stuff. Right. And a lot of people like to say, because this is a huge media spin, right? The, the McDonald's coffee lady. And everyone says, oh, yes. she didn't know coffee was hot. But the coffee was so hot, she had like third-degree burns on her groin region. So that's right. not, oh, I didn't understand the coffee was hot. That's the coffee was hotter than coffee needs to be ever. Right. I mean, when you brew coffee, it's supposed to be just below the boiling point as it hits the grounds. And then yes. it goes into the carafe and it cools down. And by the time, yes. theoretically, if you're making it correctly, by the time that it gets served, it should no longer be capable of damaging your skin, possibly your yeah, mouth, yeah. but not your skin. Yes. You can almost drink it right out of the craft. I mean, it's a little hot, but it should be hot enough that you let it cool down a little bit and then you're fine. Right. But implied consent can also pertain to non-medical things such as sex, where the other partner needs to be made aware of any positive statuses, like for uh, sexually transmitted infections or diseases that they might be exposed to. Yes. So that's another little wrinkle in the express informed consent, uh, at least with sex, because if you are positive for something and you don't tell the other person, then you didn't get that informed consent. Wasn't Charlie Sheen having women sign uh, waivers to have sex with them after he was HIV positive? I heard a that story like that. does not surprise me if that were true. <laughs> no, it would not surprise me at all. All right. And then uh, unanimous consent is where this is really the only time we're going to talk about this. Uh, sometimes it's called general consent, but it's by a group of several parties, like an association or something, sometimes in the government. Um, it's consent given by all parties. So it's like a procedural act where no member present or no member presents an objection. So it's not necessarily that everybody voices the affirmative, but nobody opposes. Right. It's like at a meeting with Robert's rules. Yeah. Yes. All right. And then I went down to uh, what is uh, what is consent. 
And oh, so all that first stuff was all from Wikipedia. So just uh, just pulling consent from Wikipedia. Uh, there were a lot of uh, sexual violence sites that I ended up uh, finding as well. And there was one that was really, I thought, really nice. Uh, it didn't have a whole lot of uh, super duper information on the, at least the article that I found on there, but it had a big pop-up when I got there and it said, this site can be quickly X'd out by clicking this X over here. And it would like send you, I don't know if it would close that tab or if it would go to Google or something. Um, but that was for like people in an abusive relationship. If they're trying to look up resources, this website had a, a like a kill switch built in so they wouldn't be found to be researching their abuser. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. That's pretty so wise. I thought that was I thought that was pretty handy. So and it, this one's just kind of going through. There was there was one other called like everyday consent. So we've got like uh, sexual consent, informed consent, everyday consent. These are similar in like the first four that we talked about, but I think these are more situationally specific in terms of when to ask for these consents instead of like what the consent you're getting back is, right? Whether it's implicit, explicit, or express. Uh, so basically we talked about kind of sexual consent a little bit, uh, informed consent, that's mostly the medical thing. And then everyday consent, uh, that is about choosing to respect personal and emotional boundaries. So you practice consent in everyday situations, uh, especially before like hugging, tickling, or other kinds of touch. Uh, so you can ask sincerely, and then you want to ask in a way that lets the other party know it's okay to say no, because I feel like, I don't know if it's like leading the witness or like intimidating the other party, but if you ask in such a way where they think it'll be worse to say no, that's not really consent. You know what I mean? Right. Also, for people who have, have experienced sexual abuse, any unexpected touch can be scary and traumatic. And this is true for some of the other things, like uh, I believe Asperger's and some other uh, conditions where touches is, is um, like you, you need to pre-warn people, which I, you know, I, did, I guess I didn't really think about it in, that, in those terms because usually when people think of consent, at least in, I guess, the general population or, or when they talk about consent on news reports and things, it's usually like sexual consent and it has nothing to do with this person might freak out or have a bad experience with, right. a, with a non-consensual touch. Yeah, I, in general, I agree with that. And I, I think we've talked about this, but a lot of the conscious or conscientiousness that we're raising about consent as a culture I think is a result of online dating and people's, I don't want to call it irresponsible behavior, but they're, it's risky behavior that they're engaging in, yeah. you know, meeting random strangers uh, for dates and things like that, you know? Well, I, you know, yeah, uh, meeting random people in random locations that don't have protections built in place, you know what I mean? Like that stuff is, I mean, there's a safe way to do everything. And I, and I really like a date is meeting somebody you've never met before or you haven't like been in that setting with before, right? And everybody's different at work and everybody's different at home and everybody's different on a date and everyone's different, you know. Right. But I think that the places. danger level uh, definitely increases when it's somebody that you don't know socially. I know that the majority yeah, of sure. uh, rapes happen by people that you know, right? Yeah. That is true. But also it's got to be, it's inherently dangerous to go on a date alone with somebody that you don't know. Well, so, I mean, let's just put this in, in perspective. And I don't know the stats on this, so this is not, this is just a thought experiment. Let's say the majority of rapes happen by somebody you know. Well, 51% is a majority. So that means 49% could happen by people you don't know. So just by saying it's a majority doesn't mean that it never happens by the other, the other subset, right? Right. And well, the majority of rapes happen in like teenage to college age population, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely, 
an element of the party atmosphere involved, I'm sure. You know, yeah, I, it's been a long time since I looked up the stats, so I'm not 100% yeah, certain. Yeah, and, and I didn't want to get too uh, deep into the into the stats on this one. Uh, but just continuing on with the everyday consent, there's another one here with the everyday consent, which is kind of respecting privacy. So it's not always just about touching. So, uh, you know, everyone has boundaries. Some people like to keep things private and other people are like an open book. So this is just saying if somebody shares personal information with you, Ask what their boundaries are with sharing that with other people. Right. Basically, don't be a gossip is kind of the thing. Like most of this stuff is don't be a giant asshole, I guess. But oh, for the most part, it's just most people or not most people. Most people are not assholes openly, but there's yeah. a significant minority that are. So yeah. And there's a lot that are assholes behind their back because they're trying to curry favor with somebody else by sharing some juicy tidbit, not necessarily trying to actively be an asshole to you. They're just being a passive asshole. Right. I mean, we all know people that the instant somebody leaves the room, they're talking shit, you know, about every yeah. person. So, yeah, yeah. I I usually let people know, like most things that get shared with me, unless you unless you explicitly ask me to not, I will share it with my wife. Just not like run to her and be like, hey, guess what? Someone just told me. But if you're a friend and I genuinely care about you and you share something with me that's like troubling you, then it also kind of troubles me. And then I share it with Sarah because she helps me out with a lot of that stuff because she's a lot more emotionally intelligent than I am, I guess. I oh, certainly don't share things. <laughs> yeah. I don't share things that people say, please don't share this with your wife. I don't share that. But oh. usually I just say, hey, like, don't, you know, they'll say, don't tell anyone. I'm like, yeah, I usually tell my wife everything. If you don't want me to, uh, I don't have to. That's not a big deal. It's just, you know, we're usually on the same page and I don't, I don't keep things from her. So. I think most marriages are like that. They should be. They should be. I'm not telling other people what they should or shouldn't do, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you should bowl the right way, even at open bowling with little kids. Oh, dude, I came unglued yesterday. <laughs> That's probably we. If we have time for the end, you can tell us how you came unglued. All right, I, I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then the the last one here for everyday consent is ask permission. So just like we have boundaries on touch and uh, different levels of sharing things. And we're talking about like telling people things. The other thing is photos. So I usually try to never take photos of my kids with somebody else's kids unless they've told me that it's okay to take those photos. And I don't share really a whole lot of photos of even my kids online at all. There's like a couple out there, but sure, yeah. this is just saying like always ask before posting or taking photos of somebody on social media. And the problem or the, or the and this isn't just strictly with kids. This is with uh, people who are in abusive relationships. If you share a photo, let's say with Facebook and you didn't scrub the data, Facebook knows where that photo was taken. If it was taken with a phone or a Wi-Fi connected device, like it knows where that photo was taken. And we were talking about this and we were talking about like doxing people and like you can you can um, stitch together things in photos to figure out where it was taken. So depending on this, the circumstances or whatever, it was at a park and you took a picture of somebody, they know where that park is. And then that park might be within walking distance of that person's home or that person's whatever. It might be a subway right away or it might be. So, you know, there's that and the privacy thing. So it's kind of like a... A double-edged thing, right? This is an aside, twice. Okay, but yeah. it's related. I feel like people our age who were uh, internet 1.0 users, and we saw the dawn of social media after we became yeah. adults. I mean, social media really became a thing when I was in college, maybe late high school, but I didn't have a social yeah. media account until I was in college. Yeah, And I had a Facebook when it was only college people, right? Yeah, me too. So I, I, 
I was very aware that I do not want to take pictures or be in pictures that were showing me doing things that I should not be doing, number one, and or places <laughs> where I should not be, right? Like, yeah, sure. The very simple rules. I didn't rules. care in college, really, but I didn't do a whole lot of stuff I should be doing. I was very aware. You know, like, I knew I shouldn't have a picture with a beer can in it when I'm 19 years old, uh, right? Like, that's unwise. Uh, it's unwise, but, like, at that, I, I think at that time, like, the internet was so new that a lot of people didn't know what to do with it. And by a lot of people, I mean, kind of, like, law enforcement and stuff. I mean, if you remember, like, LimeWire and Napster... Oh yeah, things. of course. Like yeah, it was it was like the wild west. So I don't know. I probably I don't know. I don't think I have any pictures of me very explicitly underage drinking online. I don't. I don't. I have I have pictures where I'm having fun at like other people's parties and stuff. But after college, my amount of posts like dropped significantly. And so now I have friends. Oh, I have one friend that will message me every once in a while. And he's like, "Hey, I haven't seen you post for a long time. Are you okay? Is every, how's everything going?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I just don't post a whole lot because I don't really like. I don't have that. You know what I mean? Like that's not one of my social validations in my life, kind of thing." Right. I have not posted anything in. I don't know. I would have to look at Facebook to see <laughs> the last post. I uh, famously told you a story about Facebook and something that I had to do, and I didn't even know how to do it. So Sarah had to do it for me because yeah. I just don't use it. I don't have a Twitter. I don't have an Instagram. I uh, I don't know any other social media platforms off the top of my head, but I don't use social media at all for any reason. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, like even even YouTube is social media. Right. And I do YouTube and I do comments and I love reading comments and getting into flame wars like it's, you know, 2006 or something. And that's fine, I guess. Yeah. So this last section was from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center uh, with uh, respecting privacy, uh, consent with touching and asking permission for sharing photos and things online. And even to the extent of uh, even if it's not a picture like, hey, I want to post a status that we're hanging out having lunch. You know, if you're going to tag somebody else, you know, it's worth getting consent. Right. My Sarah takes me all the time, but I think she's the only one. My mother, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We're friends on Facebook, aren't we? Who, your mom and you? Yeah, you and you and I. You and yeah. I, we're friends you on Facebook. You and I are friends yeah. on Facebook. Your your mom and I are not friends on Facebook. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing not. But Although we could be now because, you know, I spent some time with her a couple of weekends ago with you and, yes. and your dad. So not in, not yes. in an un, untoward way. Um <laughs> Anyway, uh, and then so sexual consent, there's three pillars of sexual consent. So we're kind of like there's four main types of consent you can receive back from somebody. There's three areas where you should be asking consent. And then there's three pillars of sexual consent. This says, <laughs> this says, the way we let others know what we're up for, be it a good night kiss or the moments leading up to sex. That's just, that's the, it's all in the same font, but that's the font that I feel like if it were read, that would help how it would be read. Right. The moments leading up to sex. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. <laughs> One is knowing exactly what and how much I'm agreeing to. You express your intent to participate and deciding freely and voluntarily to participate. Uh, so to obtain affirmative consent, rather than waiting to say or for a partner to say no, uh, one, this is affirmative consent, one gives and seeks an explicit yes. So the yes can come in the form of a smile, a nod, or a verbal yes, as long as it's unambiguous, enthusiastic, and ongoing. And then that's from Wikipedia. Uh, so this newer affirmative consent is called enthusiastic consent. 
Uh, enthusiastic consent means looking for the presence of a yes rather than the absence of a no. So it's not saying you're not giving them the opportunity to say no, but you're you're trying to get them to agree enthusiastically with a yes, a nod, a smile, instead of kind of like that awkward thing like, well, they didn't say no, so I guess we're doing butt stuff. Right. I would say that in long-term committed relationships, there's not a lot of affirmative yeses. I don't know. You know, it's like implied consent rules the day. I, I think, uh, well, okay, then, is is an enthusiastic consent. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. There's a certain level of implied consent. So Yeah, I, I think it's a tricky line because just because you're married doesn't mean you have a blanket consent. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. So I, just, uh, I, not I know, I I know you know that. That's not what you're trying to say or imply. Yeah, that's I not what I was trying to, to imply. I mean, this is a, this is a, can be a touchy su- subject, or if people say no, it's not a touchy subject. Uh, it's a respectful distance away subject. Mm. But we <laughs> want to be very clear on just because you're married to somebody or just because you're dating somebody does not give you the right to show up randomly and uh, do things. So, right, right. Uh, also... Uh, this you're not going to are you going to address the power dynamics of consent because there's like a certain level of uh power differential where consent's not even possible right like for example an employer and an employee they're from a legal perspective i don't think there can be consent because of the power differential you know what i mean i didn't look up any power differential i did come across something where uh, people with cognitive disabilities mm-hmm. and how how to get get uh, how to not get them to consent, but how to have that conversation about consent with them, especially uh, if they're of age and all of this stuff. Right. But I didn't want to get huge into that because that was more maybe like therapeutic or, or uh, caregiving. I, I don't know. Uh, some of that is with uh, like college athletics too. Because like I say, I took the safe sport course. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's for college athletics all the way down to like, you know, grade school athletics. But they had a long course a portion of the course was about um, athletes that were adults with their coaches, you know, and there's like a pretty hard rule of like two years past being a coach before any sort of like dating style activity can commence, which makes sense. You know, you're talking, we're talking like 20, you know, 22 year old college senior, you know, that you can't date that person if you're their coach until they're at least 24, something like that. Yeah, uh, past uh, the the term of coaching. So I've got a a section here about what consent isn't. So consent is not refusing to acknowledge no. So just because you didn't say no doesn't mean you give consent. Consent is not somebody, a partner who is disengaged, not responsive, or visibly upset. So if they're upset and choosing not to talk to you, that does not imply consent. Uh, Wearing certain clothes, flirting or kissing is an invitation, assuming that wearing certain clothes, flirting or kissing is an invitation for anything more. So just because somebody's kissing you doesn't mean things will progress beyond that point. Just because somebody's flirting doesn't doesn't necessarily lead to kissing or doesn't imply that kissing is next. And uh, certainly wearing certain clothes, which um, I don't know, there was... I didn't go see it, and I don't know if it came here to Minnesota, but there was a uh, an installation somewhere where victims of of rape and sexual abuse displayed the clothes they were wearing at the time of of the abuse and the rape, and to, uh, to make the to make the point that clothes weren't consent, right. and a lot of the clothes weren't even scandalous, which was the point, right? Right. I'm sure not. 
I, I that's a very old school like defense. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody legitimately make that argument. I've heard the inverse of like, oh, wearing scantle or wearing clothes doesn't give consent, blah, blah, blah. But I've never heard anybody say, oh, well, you know, such and such was doing such and such. So it's OK. I've never heard that in real life. Maybe it's because I grew up in like a liberal area, you know, yeah. or something. You know, I don't know. Uh, it just I, I don't know that I've heard it like in real life. At least in any sense that I would take it seriously, but it's certainly a Hollywood trope for sure. Like oh, it's a societal or trope. She's like a, yeah. a bad, bad girl or whatever, and and stuff. But um, all right, uh, consent is not someone under the legal age of consent, and I and I've got a legal age of consent thing coming up. Yes, um, consent consent is not somebody who's incapacitated because of drugs or alcohol, uh, or by pressuring someone into sexual activity by using fear or intimidation. So. You know, and you hear this one a lot, and you see this one a lot, and man, there was just a story that came out, and I wanted to talk about it, and I forgot to add it in here, but it was a, um, it was some female, and I don't remember if she was a teacher. She said she was going to like ride one of the the males mm. and stuff, and she got she got off. She didn't get any jail time whatsoever. That's pretty common, at least in what I've seen, you know, anecdotal anecdotally. Yeah, and the problem is like the male population keeps that alive and keeps it going and like, hell yeah, I'd want to be raped by her. And it's like, you don't understand what rape is to say something as dumb as that, you know? Right. I mean, when I was underage, I never had any relationships with anybody uh, who was in a position of authority. So I can't rightly yeah. say, but I have met a few guys who have been in that situation. And yeah. as they've gotten older, like mid to late 20s, uh, yeah. they have turned against that idea you know they they have come to think of it as inappropriate as they have gotten older and more responsible yes uh, and the last one here uh consent is not assuming that you have permission to engage in a sexual act because you've done it in the past so past experience does not give future consent right this is all from the uh rape abuse incest nation network so um and then i wanted to talk about so we, we, we talked about how to get consent. We talked about what consent isn't. We talked about how to give consent. And I wanted to, and I, I think I'm halfway through the cigar. So before I do this next section, what are our cigar thoughts, Mike? Well, I am over halfway, just so you know. I have a probably a quarter left somewhere in there. Okay, I'm, I'm slightly over halfway, but I'm not quite down to the quarter yet, I don't think. Okay. Uh, the spiciness has really tamed down on my cigar. Still good. Still good. But it's really mellowed out. And it's just it's kind of a rounder, up. mellow, dark. It's dark. There is still some spice. I think especially if you take a, a puff and, you, and you're looking for it, you can still taste it there. It's not as prevalent or it's not in the forefront like it was at the very beginning. Yeah, it's more of a back note. Cigar, but yeah. it is a back note, which is interesting because this isn't, I'm not saying like, we're, oh, this one's only going to be compared to the, the Hoya Black, but that one built the spice. And this one has, uh, it started out real spicy, and it has settled into a really dark and still quite spicy cigar, but it's it's more nuanced now, more, I think it's a little more complex. I mean, it's it's mellower, but there's a lot of different stuff going on here, and I like yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's a wonderful cigar. Yeah, the, the, the front quarter of the cigar was, like that front note of spice was like right in your face. And uh, it definitely was accentuated by the whiskey. Like you could, you know, you mellow it out with that sweeter caramel whiskey oh, taste yeah. and it would really pop. Uh, so 
I did have to relight mine. I don't know that that's a cigar fault or just this is the Nate Knows episode and I'm talking a lot. <laughs> right. So, all right. So the uh, the next section here, since we talked about all those other ways of, of giving and, and receiving consent, this is how to respond to a no when asking for consent. If you really want to be consent conscious, you also have to learn to receive and respect people's no's and their maybes, right? Like no used car salesman would still be in business if they didn't learn how to respect the maybes and then close the deal. Can I say that? I can say that. As a used car salesman. Uh, I've never purchased a car from a used car salesman. (laughs) (laughs) We have, um, but the most recent one we purchased was from a dealership down here that does not do commission. Oh, okay. So basically the the price is kind of the price. There's no commission and you can negotiate on the trade-in. Sure. Yeah. The last three vehicles I bought, it was an F-150, a Honda Accord, and a Chevrolet S10. And it was all from the same dealer who's very reputable. And uh, the vehicles sell themselves, really, when you're talking about those particular, you know, cars or trucks. Like, it's not... You're there to buy it. You're not there to... Well, yeah. If you're you're an informed consumer... Yeah. Like the the product sells itself regardless of if it's a car or like a cigar cutter, <laughs> right? I right. Mean, if you've done your research, you don't need somebody to sell you on it. Right. Necessarily. If it's, I, if, it's, yeah. if, it's di- if it's a difference between like models of the similar thing, do I need the uh, the extended cab or the extended bed or I need both or whatever? I, I don't even know some of these car terms, but like that's where you might talk to a salesperson or you might like, if you trust a salesperson, like here's what I'm going to use it for. Which one of these two should I get? Right. But and usually well, you've done the research online before that. So, yeah, typically, well, I'd like to say the last three times I bought a car, well, that's not true because I bought a Kia Soul as well. We went there to buy that vehicle. Yes. And we just wanted to test drive it and see the service record uh, on the one, well, the two that were used. Two of them were yeah. new and two of them were used. So, yeah. 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 But yeah, so our reactions to somebody's answer can impact whether they feel comfortable enough to actually be honest with us and can impact future interactions with the, with the person. So we don't want to, we don't want to be angry. Uh, we don't want to appear hurt and we don't even want to really show disappointment, even if it's something that we wanted, because we want to create that environment where they can say what, what they feel. And I think that's just like, that's kind of like peopling 101, right? Like you don't, not everybody's going to like Brussels sprouts. So, you know, or not everybody likes uh, medium rare steaks. Not everybody likes whatever. I mean, you know, we can, you can, you can remove it as far as you need to from like sex things to kind of get the understanding of it. Before this episode, I made dinner for myself and for Sarah. And when I started preparing her dinner, I'm like, I'm going to make this. Are you okay with that? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, do you want this and that? And I asked some details about how she wanted it prepared. And that's what she had then, you know, I, uh, yeah. It's the same thing, you know, like if you're like, well, you want it, uh, you want it rare, right? You want the steak rare, right? Like that's right. not the right way to ask for consent. <laughs> no. Yeah. You want the kimchi and eggs with uh, olive oil on top, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> or Yeah. <laughs> so we want, we want to be able, we want, we want whoever we're asking for consent for to feel comfortable giving the true answer. And one, that's just the right thing to do and the right environment to create with your friends, loved ones, what have you. And two, it can prevent future 
liability, as it were, by them then rescinding or them feeling that they were pressured into giving consent when they didn't want to in the first place. Right. Uh, we don't want to think about our feelings as, as being rejected because you're not really entitled to a yes to begin with. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and we talked about this on the Barbie episode, like Ken is not entitled to Barbie's affections just because that's what he was made for. Yeah, absolutely. And it says here, <laughs> it can be even helpful to practice responses to receiving a no. The first one here is, uh, thanks a lot and fuck you. No, I'm kidding. That's not what the first one is. The first one is, <laughs> the first one is, uh, thanks for being honest. The second one is, okay, cool. And then the third uh, suggestion here is, awesome. Thank you for setting a boundary. So you don't have to sound as cheesy as I do reading these off, but, you know, like figure out what you would say if somebody says, no, I don't want to do that. Be like, hey, that's great. Just wanted to ask. You know, no no pressure, no hard feelings, no worries. I say no worries a lot. Like, no worries. Doesn't matter. Right. A lot of times if I'm asking something, I try to give the person an out built into the question to yeah. take any pressure off. You know, I'm not trying to pressure anybody into doing anything they don't want to do. Yeah. That's in our, our next uh, our next uh, learning series, uh, Consent uh, 102. Not what oh, okay. 201. What's the, I don't remember how the collegiate courses work. 101 is introductory. That's what this is. And then it's 201, isn't it? Okay. Then they have 202, Maybe. 203, 204. They might, yeah. I don't, the, the 100 series is usually just a 101. And then they have the 301, 302, 304. Yeah. yeah. And then four. Yeah. Advanced consent, uh, consent asking is our, uh, our next course, uh, which you can pay for and subscribe to uh, right on our, our podcast page there. Yes. Uh, so this stuff, how to, how to deal with the nose is uh, the, from the Anti-Violence Project. All right. And I did find uh, some notes about consent. And then, um, which is good because I think we're, we're, you know, I've got about a page left of notes here. And uh, I think that'll match our cigars pretty good. And you can tell us how you came on glued bowling. Uh, but we're going to do notes on consent first. Do you have any other advice for how to deal with a no? I mean, some of this sounds like selling, but I, I work, um, I do sales enablement. So a lot, like a lot of it sounds like how to, how to get the sales rep to go back out there and close the deal. But that's not really sure. what this is. Like this shouldn't be seen as like selling, but a lot of it's kind of the same, like how to deal with rejection. How to, a lot of times, like, well, so with my job, I deal with a lot of people who would be considered customers, right? And yeah. from my perspective, I usually don't care what the decision is. I just need yeah. a decision to be made. And if I'm asking, it's because it's not my decision to make. And I try not to get tied to what I want the answer to be. I will give my opinion about what my answer should be, but then yeah. I give alternatives that are equally uh, an option. And then yeah. I leave it up to them and I just accept it because I don't yes. really care. It's, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, <laughs> as long yeah, as a decision is that. made like now, it has to be made right now, but yep. I don't care what the answer is really, you yeah. know. It all comes to the end. I don't really tie my my uh, personal well-being or personal happiness or personal level of success to answers to questions, right? If right. I want to do something and I say, hey, let's do this, and somebody's like, no. Well, I might be disappointed for sure, but that doesn't – I don't go – go and think that I'm a terrible person and that I should never have asked that or nobody wants to do this thing with me or, you know, like I don't really tie that kind of mental health to those things. It's kind of like you were saying, like, as long as there's a decision made at the end of the day, if everybody who has to, to interact with this thing 
is happy with whatever decision was made, I don't care because I don't use the thing. <laughs> See, I'm way past that. I don't even care if people are happy or unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I usually the decision take, is made. But yeah, the decision was made and I usually take meticulous notes. So if it's ever questioned, I can go back yeah. into my logs. I guess that's my, like, well, my corporate talk. I haven't quite uh, un uncorporatized myself for the day. <laughs> Right, as long yeah, as the yeah. decision is made and somebody's some solution is out there that somebody somewhere is happy with, whether it's the people that are using it or just some higher up who never doesn't even understand what it's about. As long as somebody says something was done, it's fine with me. I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if it's within my power to make the decision, I will make it alone. But if it is not, then I'm just going to implement and that is my job and it's not personal. It's just my job. So all right, so we're going to these notes about consent. This is from uh, Indiana University. So this might be right in line with your um, consent sports or play sports or don't touch safe people sport. playing sports. Okay, Yeah, safe sport. It's supposed to be, uh, yeah. All right, uh, so consent is an agreement or permission expressed through affirmative voluntary words or actions that are mutually understandable to all parties uh, to engage in a specific sexual act at a specific time. So, of course, the university would be focused more on uh, the sex thing because you've got a lot of uh, late teenagers who are generally no longer under their parents' guidance 24-7. And it's a weird time. Like, it really is. <laughs> a really weird time. Weirder for some than others, I'm sure. But how? Uh, but this one I thought was very interesting to me because this is something that we, we see a lot of lawsuits about. Uh, but consent can be withdrawn at any time as long as it is clearly communicated. But I think, and that kind of goes back to the uh, how to handle the no or how to handle the stop or how to handle the whatever, is you have to, you have, to have that environment where they feel comfortable doing so. Because if I, I feel, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, I don't know, because I'm not a lawyer and I'm not uh, any of these things. But if consent can be a smile, then withdrawing consent could be a frown, right? Like the inverse almost has to be true. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I am not a lawyer and I am not an expert in this topic by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. for your own personal safety, if there is even a question of legitimacy in your mind, back away. Yeah. Uh, you know, in anything yeah. in life, I think that applies. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's probably important to reiterate here that while I have researched this, I'm not a consent expert. And a lot of the conversations on our show, we talk about a lot of different, a lot of different things. And I would build them almost more as like philosophical and not really debates, but like philosophical conversations where in an ideal world, consent could be a smile and withdrawing consent could be a frown. Does that stand up in a court of law? Don't know. This is a philosophical conversation. <laughs> right. It's, uh, you know, like we're 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 striving to some sort of ideal that that simply doesn't exist. Right. Until lawyer AI comes out, we are not going to be able to answer these questions yeah. <laughs> with any reliability. And then here, uh, Indiana University again re reaffirms or reiterates that consent cannot be coerced or compelled by force, threat, deception, or intimidation. You can't uh, force consent by threatening to leak uh, naked pictures you got. Right. Just yeah. Because they, Bribery. Just because they consented to give you naked pictures doesn't mean you can then use those as leverage to gain consent for something else. Yeah. Coercion uh, automatically nullifies any sort of concept of consent, yeah. I would say. Yes. Uh, consent cannot be given by someone who is incapacitated. And we talked about the in incapacitations, drugs, alcohol. I guess even if you're hiking and find somebody unconscious on the... Um, on the hiking trail, that doesn't mean consent to sex. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Well, uh, what yeah, was that? I sent, I, I sent you that one, right? Example. I sent you that uh, that news story about <laughs> the uh, the home intruder, yes. who the homeowner then like tied them up and like <laughs> raped them for like yes. four hours. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, that happened. Uh, something similar happened in uh, Minnesota, where a guy okay. knew that somebody was going to break into their house, yeah. and it happened a couple times. So he set up a trap for them. And he like captured them and tortured them and then killed them in his basement. Okay. Oh, is this the Little Falls guy? The Little Falls guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, he was a, a fairly big wig in the uh that region of uh Boy Scouts. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I met him. He seemed like a psycho. I mean I, reading the story, I, I didn't know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I didn't know him. I like I met him, but I didn't like know him know him. I had a I actually um at the, I think it was, I don't know if it was the, the it wasn't the JC's ice fishing uh, thing, but we did a, uh, we did a uh, Boy Scout ice fishing thing and he like talked to me for quite a while on the lake. So oh. it was, uh, it was interesting. He was an interesting person. Right. And he would have got away with it if he didn't video record it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I think that, you know, I talked to my brother about this because at the time that that happened, I was a little, a little younger and a little more hot headed with things. And I was like, well, of course, like you break into somebody's house, like you forfeit everything basically, uh, in, in my opinion, but Minnesota doesn't have the castle doctrine. So yada, yada. I think, I think he went way too far with everything, you know, and, and of course recording, it doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah. From a legal perspective, he definitely um, went too far. I mean, if he wanted to wait in his basement and shoot them as they came in, that's, probably his right you know but you can't I think like it's fucked up i think it's fucked up i didn't say that but capturing <laughs> them and then like video recording yeah, it and, yeah you know there's like layers and layers and layers yeah. of fucked up behavior that's way past <laughs> yeah and, and we're not we're not lawyers but I, I don't think it's within your right in a state that doesn't have the castle doctrine i i think if you're if you know they're coming and you have the ability to remove yourself from the from the situation you have a, a legal obligation to remove yourself from the situation. All he had to do is set up a TV in a chair, you know, right in front of the window. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, like, you know, not that I would do that myself, but. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's other ways you can prevent people from coming into your house, I guess. And if you know they're coming, I know we poo-poo the, the law enforcement sometimes on the show, but uh, we also don't poo-poo them at other times uh, because it's kind of like a case-by-case basis. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, but. Sometimes you you just have to. Right. A society without law enforcement is non-functional. But yeah, criticism of authority is also paramount. So there's a balance. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was a little, that was a little fucked up um, situation. (laughs) But yeah, I, I remember, and this wasn't told to me by a lawyer, but if I'm in the house alone and I'm physically able to leave the premises when I hear somebody break in, then I have a legal obligation to leave the premises. I can't stay and defend my house in Minnesota. Some states are different. However, in Minnesota, if you have people that are in the house that cannot flee, cannot leave the premises, then you are well within, from what I heard, I'm not a lawyer, then you are well within your rights to stay and defend. Would that be animals included or just people? Nope, nope, not animals, I don't think. Just people. livestock and that was your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Right, because... Um, Farmers can kill, or even hobby farmers, if you have chickens or something and there's like a fox or a neighbor's dog, uh, you can just shoot it and say it was threatening my livestock. And I believe that's well within in the legality. If yeah, you're just wolves, a homeowner, wolves is a big one. 
Yeah, and if you're just a homeowner and there's a mean dog in your yard, you can't just go shoot it, I don't think. Um, it's kind of I the same thing. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, it's the same thing where um, you can act to stop a criminal act, but you can't take retribution after the criminal act has stopped. The, the law is the law, and the law is weird, and uh, the law has to have clear-cut uh, lines in the sand, I guess, uh, as it were. By the way, I am finger burning right now. I don't know how far you yeah, are in I'm, your cigar. Uh, I've still got like two inches. Um, so I'm going oh, like, to hurry up. I'm sorry. I've been talking so much. Ah, I know. I know. I have backups. I have backups. Okay. Well, we don't, we don't have to get to it because I've, I've only got a couple sections left. Uh, also, the last thing from Indiana University. Consent cannot be assumed based on silence, the absence of a no or stop, or the existence of a prior or current relationship or prior sexual activity. So... That's, we've been talking about that. We've been talking about that. I'm going to uh, smoke harder. This is Nice Ashes 2, Smoke Harder. Uh, nice Ashes 3 is uh, Smoke Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, yeah. So who can give, yeah. <laughs> it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from uh, the tower. <laughs> so who can give consent? Age of consent in America, it ranges from 16 to 18 years old. And there are uh, provisions for, uh, there's a, I, I believe there's a, a year, a certain number of years from somebody who might be like 18 can still engage in acts with somebody X number of years younger than them. It, it, it varies state by state. It varies Minnesota state state. is I, three. I know that okay. North Dakota is 18 hard line. Okay. The yep. last time, the last time you said stuff like that, uh, somebody texted me. was like, boy, Mike answered that question really quick. Well, so. I did. I did. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was in safe zone. And when I was in high school, I did Minnesota enable and, uh, I'm involved with, uh, certain athletics, uh, with youths. So it's yes, like, I know, I know, you constantly, know that for, for yeah. good reasons. Yeah. You was, and I it was know just a funny joke Yeah, it because is somebody funny. was like, my God, Mike answered that fast. <laughs> As if like, because you're, I know you're hanging out at the you're hanging out at the bowling alleys like, hey kid, are you within yeah. X number of years of me? Anyway, so who who can't be who can't give consent? So we talked about who can anyone of of legal age of consent, which is different a lot of times than uh, legal age of majority because we talked about there's not really a, a legal age of majority because everything is spread across usually 16 to 21. You know, driving, smoking, uh, voting, renting a car is 25 usually. So. Anyway, who can't give consent? It would be a person incapable of doing so if they can't understand the facts, the nature, extent, or implications, which is kind of all the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, but the, the inca incapacitation can be due to drugs, alcohol, a mental disability, being asleep or unconscious, or uh, based on their age. And um, intoxication, whether it's drugs or alcohol and impairment, are not presumptive presumptively equivalent to incapacitation, I guess. Yes. Uh, and and is, power dynamics. From, I don't know if they had power dynamics on there, but... No, yeah. this is still from Indiana University. Oh, okay. But yeah. uh, just because you're intoxicated, that does not mean that you would be incapacitated, but it doesn't mean that you can also necessarily give consent. It, it, there, it's a level, like it's a spectrum. It's not a uh, necessarily black and white thing. Yes. Although I suppose if you carry like a pocket breathalyzer... Sure, yeah. There's I've probably, never, there's probably yeah. some... I don't know. There's probably some legal BAC, right? Uh, blood alcohol content for when you're no longer able to make legal decisions. I'm sure. Uh, the next thing is uh, teaching children about consent. So uh, this was kind of the thing that kind of um, spurred this whole this whole uh, conversation. I don't know. Do you do you know many? Uh, I know you've got like nieces and nephews, right? Yes. 
do are they are they asking for consent from other kids when they before they hug or like high five or stuff or I don't think so. I'm not aware if they do or don't, but I'm assuming not. I know that a couple of them are involved in athletics and typically like the high fives and all the celebration of sporting events is implied consent for sure. You know? Yeah. High five is you either give the high five or you leave a a homie hanging, which I guess is like, like saying don't leave a homie hanging is not creating that positive consent environment we were talking about earlier. Uh, Definitely not. No, no. Uh, But you know, you also kind of have to know your audience. And I was thinking about this today too. I was like, man, all of my guy friends and I hug. We we hug when we see each other. We hug when we leave. Like, it's just, but I don't remember asking consent. And I think like, I don't know if it was me, but I feel like somebody went in for the first one and then we're just like, hey, that's, I guess that's just what we do. <laughs> right. You know? uh, but that's like, but that's fine because everybody seems to be fine with it. But right. I think that's like, more of a modern man thing. Like my dad's not hugging anybody for sure. Yeah. I mean, I tried and I tried, but he just won't. Um, right, exactly. I'm just, I'm kidding. I didn't. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, Dev and I hug, I think. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we do. But he's older and my other buddy is eight years older than I am. And my other buddy is like eight or, eight or so years older than I am. And we we hug. But I guess that's still modern, modern-ish. They're not Vietnam vets or World no. War II vets or Korean vets or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Um, I, I like that. Uh, some people don't like that and I don't hug people that don't like to be hugged. I do, I was just, you know, that was just something in my life where it's like, ah, you know, like most of my friends like to hug. Um, I, I, we have, uh, friends as a couple, right. And I never go to initiate a hug with the wife of one of our friends or something. Right. Like I don't initiate that. If they come for a hug, they get a hug, but I don't initiate that. I don't expect a hug. I don't, you know, that's just in my mind. I'm like, I will hug my friends, but I'm not, even if the wife is one of my friends, I'm not going to hug the wife unless that wife wants it. You know what I mean? Right. That sounds so bad, but yeah. Uh, you know what? It sounds, it sounds bad, but I don't know how else to put it. I don't know how else to put it. I, I'm not trying to make it sound bad. It's just like, I'm not going to initiate it because I want them to feel comfortable. I don't want them to feel like they owe a hug. You know what I mean? Right. I don't usually hug people randomly. I don't really hug anybody. Yeah. You and I hug, though, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we give each other a hug. We don't see each other very often, you know? We don't. We don't. So Even though we Sarah's mother time. likes to, <laughs> Sarah's mother likes to hug me, which is fine. Your you Sarah know. or my Sarah? My Sarah. Both is probably true. <laughs> both is yeah, probably Sarah's true. I think Sarah, I, I my know Sarah's I Sarah's mom is like the biggest hugger. Yeah, I've, I've hugged Sarah's mom before. I don't see her very often either. So Yeah. I mean, I don't know. know many people that Sarah, my Sarah's mom hasn't hugged. I think that's a shorter <laughs> list. My Sarah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so teaching children about consent. And I think this is this is important. And I always, I always tell, like, because sometimes we have family, uh, re- uh, they might not be, like, immediate or they might be, like, distant or whatever. And they're like, hey, do you want to give me a hug to our, to our daughter? And I'm like, it's up to you. You can decide if you want to hug them or not. Right. I don't, I don't make a big deal out of it. You know, we've got the friends who say, well, before you can hug their child, you ask their child if, if they want to hug. But it's, like, it's an every time thing, which I guess is fine. You know, I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm kind of like, it's, it, I mean, maybe that's the way it should be. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I think it'd be weird if the adult, like, uh, 
wanted a hug from your child not like you know what i mean like are you psychologically dependent on getting a hug from the child like if the you know what i mean yeah yeah like, uh, but what this is is like the the parent is telling their child to ask consent from my child before giving a hug oh sure like every every time and i i mean i guess like you have to teach consent i don't i don't know 100% how i feel about that because it's such like an active thing and maybe it maybe it needs to be. I sure. I just try and I just try and make sure that my child knows if they don't want to hug or if they don't want to fist bump or high five, they don't have to. Right. Well, like everything else, it's a fine line. There's a gray yeah, area. It's, it's a fine line. And I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with like telling your kids to ask for consent. I I think that's a big thing. And I think on the on the counterpoint is letting your children know it's okay to not consent to things. Right. You know, I don't I don't know I don't know what age like the idea of consent kind of like takes shape. So I don't know that calling it consent initially is I don't you know, I don't know. It's 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 tough. Well, a lot of it's personal comfort level like for me, let's say I'm scoring at a bowling tournament, right? Yeah. Like a high five, I can do a high five. Typically I don't because you're supposed to be neutral, you know what I mean? But yeah. like I'm not looking for a hug, even if I know the kid's parents, which usually I do, right? Typically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the kid and the kid's parents. It's not like we're strangers or anything. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, I'm friends with their parents. But yes, yeah, I'm not even looking for a high five most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even if they're doing really well, it's like, yeah, it's not I really feel like when when place. you're like coaching kids or even if you're not coaching kids, but if other kids like if I were to go to a birthday party where people where kids are bowling. Right. And a kid I knew or a kid I didn't know uh, threw a strike. I might be like, hey, high five, or I might just clap and like look at them and smile while I'm clapping to let them know, good job. You know what I mean? Right. Or, like give them a thumbs up. I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, come in for a big hug. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's a lot of this stuff is situational and uh, the, the, very dependent on the relationship you have with the people involved. So when I was when I was in the Boy Scouts as an adult, I wasn't ever a scoutmaster, but I worked with the adult leaders. And so a lot of times I ended up at their scouting events. I didn't hug the, the scouts you know, right. I, w- I could be enthusiastic and I could be supportive by smiling, telling them good job or giving them a thumbs up. I did not have to touch kids <laughs> to <laughs> right. do things, you know, which a lot of scoutmasters seem to forget. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not a lot, not a lot. That's, well, that's probably you know, fair. You can get uh, really enthusiastic when you see, well, in bowling, you see a kid bowl a 300 game. That's awesome. But that's an yeah, excited yeah. moment for them and their parents and stuff like that. Like, I am yeah, not in that situation. It can be an excited moment for you, but it's not like I need to hug this child now kind of moment. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what kind of moments that is. Like, if it's my child, yes, I would hug them. Exactly. Be like, hey, awesome job. But I'm not hugging somebody else's child. Exactly. <laughs> that's actually a warning sign, in my opinion. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, which child is yours out there bowling? Oh, no, no. I just like to hug the 300s. Right, yeah. Oh, well, okay. the female bowling coaches get a little more huggy because for reasons, yeah. I guess. But uh, Yeah. So the thing to remember about hugs with kids is that they're often the very first kinds of interpersonal touch that children learn to navigate on their own because everybody wants to hug them. Uh, you know, grandparents, uh, aunts and uncles, hug, kiss, that kind of thing. And this is all from Imagination Press Family. They've got a book called uh, like Don't Hug the Kuoka, some kind of animal, I guess, uh, that kind of talks about don't hug people unless they want to be hugged, which I don't know. It was probably a good one. Might put that on the old uh, list for the for the kiddos. But 
You know, I think I think the thing with kids is you want to meet them where they're at currently. And so talking about consent and like the details that we've gone into on this show are probably more details than people need or than certain kids need at certain ages, right? Most of it's common sense. I mean, a lot of it's common sense and you want right. to, you want to teach, you want to, mostly you, it doesn't so much matter about the words, right? You want to have that environment where it's okay for people to say no. You want to have that environment where it's okay for your children to say, no, I don't want to give you a hug. Right. To, to, to you as the parent or to family or friends or anybody else out there, you want them to know it's okay to say no. And I think that's the biggest thing. I, I yes. got one last thing because this was something that kind of came up in my research. Was right on. People, people were saying, well, if I touch somebody, is that assault? Now we're not we're not lawyers, <laughs> but I went to Cornell Law School, and somebody was like, "Well, I hugged somebody, and now they're claiming assault." And you know, it's just some internet person, so who knows? Who knows if it was truly a hug or whatever? Right. It the the internet is uh, cancer, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, but I thought like, hey, that's a good like kind of counterpoint. Like we're talking about consent, and if you do something and you didn't have consent, is it assault? I mean, obviously, certain things are very definitely assault. <laughs> Right. But like a hug, right? Or a hand on the shoulder or what have you. Um, and this is what Cornell Law School says. And we're not lawyers. So do your own research if you're going to go randomly hug people on the street, I guess. Uh, but assault is generally defined as an intentional act that puts another person in reasonable apprehension of imminent, harmful, or offensive contact. And we all know offense, offensive contact, I don't know, every time my boss messages me, I think that's offensive contact, but uh, we'll talk about the power stuff briefly before we're done here. Uh, no physical injury is required, but the actor must have intended to cause a harmful or offensive contact with the victim, and the victim must have thereby been put in immediate apprehension of such contact. So would a hug be assault? If it was somebody who had a medical condition or a previous experience that triggered some PTSD or something, I can see I can see that. Uh, if you give somebody a bear hug and refuse to let them go, I can see that might be assault. I don't I don't know for sure if going for a hug and kind of being like denied, but you made contact, but it wasn't like forceful contact. I don't know if that's necessarily assault. But again, I'm not a lawyer. So, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff we like to talk about in the show is like common sense stuff and philosophical, like ideal world kind of stuff, not uh, not things as they necessarily are. Right. I mean, use common sense, which to the best of your ability. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess like in, in terms of consent, if you don't have really the explicit yes or like a smile and nod, then just don't, you know, like just don't. That's probably the best advice. <laughs> now, I want you to talk to me about this power stuff, uh, people in power. I will say that this leaf now is quite unwrapped here at the end, maybe a full three quarters of an inch unwrapped at the end here, and not even not even by the cap, um, but where I, I told you that leaf came up a little sure. bit. Sure. See, so, and I smoked mine down to about a half an inch, Yeah. and uh, the end flowered out, which is pretty typical, yep. and I did yep. not have any unwrapping at all. Okay, so, so mine, mine had mine a held up really bit, well. but, uh, you know, they're from the same batch. We're in different humidors, but, you know, they're cigars. They're, uh, uh, they're handmade products. Yeah, yeah, every single one is not made the same. So right. it, we, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't really affected the taste. It hasn't affected the taste. It hasn't affected my enjoyment other than I just wanted to mention that it's happened. Right. And we mention it because we typically have cigars from the same box, but we keep them in separate humidors so our humidity is going to be different. Yes. And uh, things like that. So if one person has something happen 
it's not really indicative of anything. Even if both of us do, it's not necessarily indicative, but it's a better correlation than just like one random thing happening. So yeah, and we just mentioned because we want to be good stewards of the cigars. So I don't right. want to, I don't want to recommend something and then have somebody say, well, it unwrapped on me or it did this on me, um, and then for me to say, well, that actually also happened to me. I just didn't mention it. Right. Doing my due diligence as a, exactly as, yeah. a, as a person. But yeah, uh, so you were talking about like uh, employment and some other things where consent is not possible. Yeah, typically if there's any sort of power dynamic, like a police officer arresting someone or a boss and an employee, you know, a coach and a and a athlete, uh, anything like that, consent is not possible uh, in those situations typically. That's not necessarily legal. Sometimes it goes to legal, but it's typically against any sort of organizational rules. So uh, yeah, like if you're ethics. working- It's against yeah, ethics. It's against your ethics, so- if you're working at a corporation, typically dating is allowed, but not allowed within the same hierarchy if those people are at different levels of that hierarchy, you know? Yeah. Like, and a lot of times they have like, uh, you have to disclose that to somebody higher too, I believe. Right. Yeah. Like you can't date the intern uh, at your place of work, you know, something like that. If you work at a place that has interns <laughs> or student workers or whatever you mean you know? uh indentured servitude servants right yeah yeah like you you can uh if you work at a large organization and you are middle management you can date a secretary but you're not allowed to date your secretary <laughs> you know that sort of thing yeah yeah even though that's i mean that's a trope too i don't know how common it is but it's definitely a societal trope yeah a lot of these tropes like i'm uh, you see them a lot in movies and like tv shows and stuff but I don't know how often they happen in real life. Maybe they used to. I wasn't alive, uh, you know, in the before time of Mike. So <laughs> you weren't I, alive. Yeah, I was I not alive. alive. <laughs> I cannot speak <laughs> to what here. happened at that time. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, back when people actually had like secretaries and they were called right. secretaries, like every once in a while I'll get a corporate email saying like uh, it was from some big like C-suite person, but it was actually sent by somebody on behalf of that person. It's kind of like the uh, dictated, not read. Right. But nowadays, yeah, yeah. like in corporate America, a lot of people are just remote or it's like, even if you're not remote, it, you might as well be because it's not like the the person, the big C-suite person actually knows who's sending out the thing. They just say, hey, I want I want some kind of communication to go out. Right. Well, secretary type positions are going away anyway, as pretty much everybody universally can type for themselves. So sending out even a page long email, what does it take? Like 10 minutes? You know what I mean? It takes no time at all to do it yourself. And then you don't have to have a different person employed. Some of these higher ups, at least in corporate America, they need people to do that for them because they're really not as... um, well, we talked about this with like Trump, right? Like he right. just says whatever he says and he would probably benefit from having somebody else write his speeches or, or uh, you know, following the script or whatever, because it makes you appeal to more people. And so a lot of these like big uh, C-suite people send the, send, probably draft it and say, I want something like this, but, you know, like put the PC spin on it or whatever, you know? 
Right. I know that because they want to be seen uh, as competent and all caring and all knowing and the Lord and master of all. So, yeah, uh, Trump traditionally has the bad side effect of implicating himself in whatever crime he's trying to deny or whatever. <laughs> not, 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 I shouldn't say it quite that way. This but, was the best crime anybody could ever commit. And I did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, you can't prove that I did this bad thing because we covered it up the right way. You know, like something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, I covered it up just like so. So covered it up. It's like, right. Um, in his, in oh, his oh, denial, okay. he's actually just admitting guilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> admitting guilt, but in a way that makes it so that he's not legally liable, which makes it look bad, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's it's all what it is. Um Yeah, I mean I'm not attacking uh the the person who is Donald Trump for that. I think it's very entertaining, but it's not what yeah. we're typically accustomed to. No. So So Mike, I think we're gonna have to save your coming unglued story for another episode, but let's lead off the other episode with that story. We can do that. We can do that. But uh any last thoughts on consent, Mike, before we wrap? No, I thought it was uh quite uh encompassing with the uh, information. So yeah, I know I sent you a text when I was researching that it was kind of like a rabbit hole of nightmares. Yeah, it can be. But most of most of those nightmares were from uh people who were in situations where the environment of consent was not there. And I think that's kind of the important thing is don't be a creeper. Don't be don't be uh coercing people or threatening people or intimidating people into giving consent. And I, at the end of the day, no means no. And if consent can come in all sorts of, of uh, styles and shapes, so can the no. So just read the room. And if in doubt, like Mike said, just back away. Right. I mean, if you're trying to convince somebody to do something they don't want to do, you're probably a loser. So yeah, you're probably in the wrong. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You're, you're not doing the right thing. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the cigar, Mike. I liked it. I thought it was really good. It mellowed out towards the end. Uh, that's not a bad yep. thing. Uh, spicy really good mine is unwrapping so i'm gonna have to probably put this out i can't get as far as you did yeah yeah no mine's very good yes got it uh started off with a very spicy head and it continued on the spice level but it became rounder i don't think it became less spicy i just think the cigar got more full-bodied as i think i think i think it did get a little less spicy because i think there was quite a bit of spice on the cap and i think that that could be true yeah Um, but it was still it was spicy throughout and more flavors uh, became more prominent throughout as well. So it was probably a little bit of both, but spicy throughout. Very, very spicy, like Mike said at the, at the get-go. And um, great, great stick. I really like this one. Two thumbs up for me. Yes. The consigliere. 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 Very nice. Very nice smoke. Recommend that and recommend creating a safe environment for consent. Be safe. Have fun. Catch us next week.